This episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast is brought to you by the Cedic Run Mile Extravaganza. This weekend on June 4th, join runners from all over the region at Cushman Field in Grand Forks to lace up the spikes and run the mile. The evening's going to kick off with a community race open to anyone interested in having a good time. The next races of the night will be our competitive heats that are open to anyone looking to run a little faster and snag a new personal best. Finally, the night will conclude with the Elite Miles, where some of the fastest men and women in the region will race for some prizes. There'll be shirts for the top three finishers, a pair of shoes for the winners, and some cash incentives for setting new event and state records. So whether you plan to participate or spectate, be sure to clear your calendars on June 4th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. To sign up, head to at SDRMile on Instagram, any of Cedic Run's social media pages, or the race roster website and search Extravaganza. We look forward to seeing you there. On this episode, Cam and I try to recap as much of the 2022 state track and field meet as possible. The 2022 state meet will be one to remember as four overall state records were broken, along with two Class B state records. It will also be remembered as the first year that the meet switched to a three-day schedule. We break down some of the top performers from each class and just how staggering some of these new records are. We tried to cover as much as we could in an hour, so if you feel like you got left out, we apologize. I'll be sending out another newsletter this week covering things we didn't get to in the podcast, so be sure to find that on Substack by heading to the link in our bio on Instagram or on Facebook. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're new or have listened to every episode, we really do appreciate you following along and helping us out and supporting us along the way. Remember to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you enjoy the show. Another way to support us is by following us on Instagram, uh, liking our Facebook page, and sharing our posts, just because every time you like or share one of those posts, it helps spread the word about the podcast, which allows us to keep growing. My final note is a big congratulations to each participant at the state meet. Whether you won a title or took last, we really do hope that you enjoyed the experience of the state meet and had a lot of fun along the way. Without further ado, let's dive into the latest episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Nienerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Ram. And Cam, I am still recovering from looking at all the results for the state meet. I honestly don't know if I would have been there if I would have made it home in one piece. I think I would have just spontaneously combusted. But man, well, how, are you, how are you feeling? Ryan, let me tell you, I kind of did spontaneously combust. <laughs> I don't know if it's because... Uh, a whole day out in the sun and it was really beautiful weather but if that just like drained me more than I was expecting but I mean got there early on what's day two now on Friday and you know was there from 9 30 to you know at the after the conclusion of the class b four by eights and it was a long day got home to my aunt and uncles where we were staying had some tacos and then said hey guys I just need to go lay down for an hour and, you know, I just need an hour to rest my eyes, then I'll be back. We'll spend some family time together. I slept the whole night. <laughs> I, I I woke up a couple times, but I was just like, I'm gone. I'm staying asleep, you know. So I I exploded. Thankfully, I uh, I rallied, 
came back on Saturday and, you know, had that group run in the morning and um, then I was good to go for day two. But yeah, as always, great meet, lots of positives, lots of really great performances. Some things that, uh, you know, kind of towards the end of the episode, Ryan, I think you and I will get into and maybe some critiques of uh, the state meet, things that we think can be improved. Uh, for the athlete experience, coach experience, and the fan experience. So excited just to, to run down, re- recap the meet with you. Yeah, yeah, we'll recap and critique some of the things that came with the new three-day schedule, a lot of positives, some things that we think could be improved upon. But before we do that, we really got to break down some of the amazing performances that we saw. If you listen to our state preview episode, we talked about how there were a lot of athletes to keep your eyes on because they were going to go for triples and even quads. And we had that. We had some people win just an insane amount of state titles. And we're going to start with the Class A girls. You told us, Cam, there was three athletes that we needed to watch at this meet, right? And it was CC Devon, Annie Nabwe, and Aaron Palmer. And guess what? Those were the three that we're going to talk about here. We're going to hit some more rapid-fire highlights in a moment, but I think first, let's start off with CC Debom. We had a feeling she was going to probably walk away with four titles, and she did by winning the 100, the 200, the 100 hurdles, and the long jump. Cam, you got to watch her this weekend. What was it like getting to see an athlete dominate across the sprints and the jump? Man, I mean, you said it. Just It, it was dominant. Um all right, moving on. Yeah. on to the next one. Well, there, there, there's more. There's more than that. But I mean, just just run, she runs with such confidence and strength, and obviously the power that you need to be able to run the times that she did. Uh, I I talked to Morgan Milbrath uh, at the meet. She is the state record holder in the hundred meter dash, eleven nine seven. And just jokingly, I said to her, I said, Morgan, how does it feel to know that? you're in your final days of, of having the state record. And she said, Oh, it's, it's about time, you know? And, uh, I, I don't, CC didn't, uh, it didn't, didn't come right into place at the state meet for her to, to break that state record. Uh, but regardless, I mean, Ryan watching her, especially around the 200, her start, there was such like determination on her face and, uh, you know, just nothing was, nothing was going to stop her. You know, I think even if, you know, she wasn't as talented as she, she is, uh, she was still going to come away with, with four state titles this weekend. Uh, Cause the, it was set in her face. You could just tell. So uh, lucky for us, she's got another year. We'll see her back at the state meet next year. And uh, you know, that's, that's a reason enough for me, for me to go back and, and see what, <laughs> great marks she can put up and see if she can do it again you know yeah. back to back years uh four state champs or who knows maybe she'll mix it up and uh you know go for the triple jump or you know she she kind of dabbled this year but we'll see yeah and you know you talked about not quite getting that state record in the 100 but she did get one state record this weekend in the 100 hurdles she ran 14 flat and i just want to put into perspective how crazy that is now we have a list of the class a girls all-time top 10 and going into this meet cc has the best mark ever for a class a girl in the 100 hurdles right and her time was 1432 now the next fastest time was 1456 by mackenzie mellish from fargo south set in 2005 
So now that CC has run 14 flat, she is 0.56 seconds faster than the next fastest 100 hurdler ever in class A. Like just put that into perspective, like a whole more than a half second ahead of the second all time mark ever by a class A girl. And that to me is just mind boggling. 14 flat is insane. And like you said, she's a junior. So we're hopefully going to see that time get faster too. Yeah. The, the hurdles are really cool. Uh, Cause there, I mean, there's obviously the hurdles that kind of break up the race into segments. So you can really uh, different than the flat races. You can really tell how far ahead or see the, see the scale of how far ahead, you know, or behind athletes are uh, just by when they're jumping over the hurdles. And so to, to see her come across, you know, the, the, the home stretch, um, basically a whole hurdle again, ahead of everybody else. You know, she was jumping the next hurdle while everyone was just jumping the hurdle behind her. Uh, really, really fun to watch. Really exciting. Yeah. So CC pulls off the quad. Then we have another athlete that wins three state titles. So Cam, take us away on the Jamestown standout, Annie Nabwe. Yeah, maybe, you know, you might say the most interesting, you know, collection of events uh, from anybody competing at the state meet. Uh, won all of the throws events, shot the discus, the javelin, uh, and not only just winning them, uh, but setting a state record in the shot put. Um, really impressive performance, 49 feet, 10 inches. Uh, Ryan, you, you had that list of all-time state performances, uh, not necessarily uh, at performances at the state meet, but, you know, better than uh, – NCAA All-American Akili Moulton by one inch, her her best high school performance in the state. So uh, really, really impressive. And then to top it all off, she was in the 100-meter finals. Um, third place there, Annie Nabwe, going to the U of M next year. will be super exciting to see what she – the question I kept asking over the weekend is, I, I have no idea what event she's going to do when she hits college. Is she going to go all in on the throws, you know? Or, or will they turn her into a multi like we've seen, you know, many athletes before do? Or what do you think, Ryan? So I have a friend that threw at the University of Minnesota. Her name is Temi Ogunrunde. Um, and she was a stud. She was an All-American. And Cam, you might know Temi from UTC. It was a camp that yeah, we went to. Yeah. She camped and then interned. But yeah, so Temi went to the U of M thinking she was going to be a sprinter. And whenever I hear about Annie Nabwe, I can only think of Temi. And Temi ended up being an All-American in the hammer throw and even competed for, like, Nigeria for a little bit. So, yeah, like, that's kind of the vibe I get is, you know, the speed and the explosiveness is only going to help her throws. So we'll see if she, obviously, with shot put, like, that's probably going to be a bread and butter. But who knows, maybe with that explosiveness, she picks up the hammer. Or, you know, even kind of works on that discus. But it'll be cool to see her be at the U of M because right now Shelby Frank, who was a four-time state champ in the discus, she is competing at the U of M, just punched her ticket to nationals in Gosh. Eugene, Oregon. So kind of sweet that we have like this North Dakota pipeline of female throwers to the University of Minnesota. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the athleticism needed to do any of the throws events is 
way more impressive than I think people give credit for. And especially, yeah, when you talk about the hammer throw, you need, I mean, you gotta be like some sort of ballerina, man. I, I do not get that event. That event is crazy to me. Yeah. And you move across the ring so fast. So yeah, I think she's got a lot of upside in college and just like it's anytime you take a super talented athlete and I would be willing to say she's probably underdeveloped in the throws probably hasn't had a ton of coaching and experience and the throws you get to college I feel like you just learn so much more there's so much more to learn and yeah it'll be cool to see where she goes in the next couple of years yeah and I mean maybe we said this on our on our state meet preview Ryan but we're I mean we kind of are talking like we're surprised that a thrower would be in the final of the hundred meter dash but you know we've seen the explosiveness of the the throwers when we were at NDSU and uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you said it, you know, they could, they could hang with any of the sprinters for the first 10 to 10 to 20 meters. You know, they're that explosive. And I don't know how many throwers that we know uh, either that we were teammates with or that we competed against who either like high jumped in high school or, you know, were something like a wide receiver or, you know, the starting point guard on their basketball team or, you know, something that, you know, not just your standard, like, oh, they, they played on the line, you know, or mm-hmm. stuff like that. So uh, either way, you yeah, know, extremely yeah. talented. She's got the state championships, the state record to back it up. And, uh, you know, U of M has been, been good for Shelby Frank and uh, hopefully for Andy Nabway, uh, it'll be more of the same. So for sure. So going into one of our last athletes that we had mentioned in our preview, Aaron Palmer walks away with two state titles, one in the 400, one in the 800. But what was really impressive, and I didn't quite realize how impressive until you pointed this out to me, was that for for those races, so the 200, she ended up third. So she ran a prelim and a final for that. The 400, she ran a prelim and a final and then had an 800 and then a four by eight. So six races, but you pointed out to me that those were over two days. Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about the the three day meet, when it when it first was released, you know, last year, and then in the preview, you know, we were talking about all the all the people that it could potentially benefit. You know, we saw it benefit maybe the open eight hundred meter runners, and you know, having the four by two uh, prelims, you know, it probably benefited those people, and you know, the the jumpers and field event athletes who had their events on. On Thursday, it helped out, but did not help Aaron Palmer one bit. <laughs> All of her events were still in the standard Friday and Saturday meet schedule. Um, and, you know, man, I think the trying, attempting the 4-8 as a double uh, by itself, just with where the, the finals land on that Saturday is, is so, so tough. And then you throw the 200 in there as well, a prelim of the 200 the day before, and then a 200 final, um, man, just that. I, I hope Aaron Palmer slept really well Saturday night. Uh, you know, and I mean, she got third place, you know, in that race, we mentioned her earlier, CCD bomb. Second place is Jasmine Williams from West Fargo, you know, just incredibly quick. Uh, so it's not like, not like it was a it was a soft year in the 200 and and the the 800 kid you know was just testing her chops she's got real speed and uh man one thing ryan i i wish i i wish i had realized sooner 
that she was anchoring Bismarck Sentry's four by eight team. I assumed that she would just go for, for the four by four at the end of the meet, maybe just tag that on, not, not even, you know, not even think about doing the four by eight, but sure enough, maybe, you know, one lap in, I noticed, Oh my gosh, Bismarck Sentry, they were way back. And now they're, they're fighting for, for the top spots on the podium. Who, who could be running this incredible leg? Of course, it was none other. Aaron Palmer, I didn't get a split, didn't hear what she ended up splitting, but she brought them all the way up to second place, uh, just behind a very strong Fargo North team uh, that captured the state title. So um, all around, just, you know, impressive, impressive. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because she's committed to the University of Utah for both swimming and track and field. And I don't know too many people that have pulled that double before. I really hope that it at some point she has to choose one or the other. I'm going to selfishly hope that she chooses track because it'll be fun to keep tabs on her. But yeah, Aaron, best of luck to you with the University of Utah and congrats on your two state titles and congrats to Cece and Annie as well. I think we were just going to do a couple rapid fire highlights. I'll do, I'll start off. And if you have another one, you can hop in after this. Yeah. But in the girls pole vault, we had Emma Briggs. She is only a freshman. And she jumped 11 feet. But uh, just to kind of round up the top three, we didn't have any. And it, honestly, there were there was two seniors in the field, and they didn't place within the top 10. So it's like a lot of these girls that jump pretty well, like over 10 feet, they're going to be coming back next year. So it'll be fun to watch. But like I said, Emma Briggs, winner out of West Fargo Cheyenne, only a ninth grader. She jumped 11 feet. Very impressive for a ninth grade athlete. Emily Ash from Dickinson, she is a junior. She jumped 10-9. And then third place was Jolie Dahl, also from, uh, not West Fargo, Cheyenne, but from West Fargo, also a ninth grader, and she jumped 10-9. So pretty impressive that we have that much talent uh, in the top three spots and for how young it is. So I'm really excited to see what they can do moving forward. I know we got some good West Fargo pole vault coaches um, too, so hopefully. And I think they listen to this podcast. So shout out to them. But yeah, hopefully we can just keep see, seeing some improvements as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, while we're highlighting the the underclassmen who succeeded, you know, we look at the class A 300 meter hurdles. Uh, Kate Laka from Davies, freshman, winning the state title. Jasmine Berry from Dickinson, 10th grader, second place. And Julia Scari from Jamestown, just a freshman, top three uh, in the 300 meter hurdles, you know, ninth and 10th graders. So a lot of young talent uh, to watch out for in the next couple of years. Yeah. And then another thing I want to point out, another young athlete uh, in the women's four by one. So the winners were West Fargo. Uh, they ran 48.96. Uh, overall state record is 48.35. So, I mean, 0.6, quite a bit of time in the four by one, but like really not that far off. But you might be uh, scratching your head a little bit because if you look at who was on that team, uh, here's what it was it was a ninth grader, an eighth grader, a junior, and a senior. So that means, you know, they're, most of them are coming back. But I was super surprised an eighth grader being on a four by one team that wins state. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, so transitioning into our next class, we're going to go Class B girls. Cam, we also saw another athlete go four for four, walking away with four state titles. 
tell us a little bit about the new Rockford Cheyenne legend. And I say legend, but she's an underclassman. Tell us about Kelsey Belquist. Yeah, Ryan, we had, we had mentioned her in the preview. Uh, we had seen her seed times being significantly faster than everybody else's, but I think we severely undersold the performances that we had. I, to be honest, I had no idea what, what to expect, you know? And then, you know, she, I see her run the prelims and I hear, Oh, a new state record, you know, in the 300 meter hurdle prelims previously held by Whitney Carlson. I'm like, what? That record is like a solid record. There's no way. And so then of course had to pay closer attention. Sure enough, she's the real deal. Kelsey Belquist, new state bowl overall, whatever. Give her all the awards in the 300 meter hurdles. 4202 in the prelims, backed it up. 4346 in the finals for the convincing win. Uh, and then she just kept it rolling. Win in the 100-meter hurdles, win in the 400, and a win in the 200. Uh, her win in the 400 time of 57.08, and she's knocking on that state B record held by Grace Zimmerman, now Grace Brenner, 56.5. Um, and, yeah, like you said, only a sophomore. Uh, pretty impressive win for her also. I mean, it's not that any of her wins were not impressive, but her win in the 200 came against some stiff competition, Ryan. Um, she was followed closely behind by Central Cass's Elise Wisniewski, also a sophomore. Uh, kind of the significance there, uh, Elise Wisniewski set the state B record in the 100-meter dash. Um, as well during the state meet. So uh, 12.14, uh, really kind of cool to see the, the strength that Belquist brings from the four and the three and the speed that Elise Wisniewski brings from the hundred. Uh, and they met in the two and man, from the gun, watching that race, you saw Elise really, you know, kind of that grit and determination on the face of CCB bomb that I was talking about, that same sort of focus. And she got out. I mean, she knew her, her first half was, was going to be her strongest part of the race. And she really went for it. Uh, wasn't quite enough to overcome um, just the strength of Kelsey Belquist. So uh, really, really impressive from the class B girls. Um, Ryan, why don't you want to tell us a little bit about the, the rest of Elise's uh, state meet, you know, the state record in the hundred and the runner up in the 200 weren't the only uh things she had going for her yeah for sure and I think one thing to point out and just emphasize Whitney Carlson if you are a new track and field listener or you aren't familiar with her name for whatever reason go do some research because Whitney Carlson was an absolute stud and went on to be an all-american in the pentathlon at NDSU and I mean that's just like a talk of legends anytime you just breathe and like whisper the name Whitney Carlson like you're you're stepping into a, a real conversation like you don't say that name lightly it's almost like say like you don't say Voldemort in Harry Potter like without kind of getting the shranies a little bit and your your skin kind of uh tightens up and you get your goosebumps but yeah like same thing with Whitney Carlson like not in an evil way like you're getting ready for 
like a death spell, but just Whitney Carlson's the real deal. That was the worst description I could ever give. But long story short, Whitney Carlson's a big yeah. deal. I mean, she's one of those names too, Ryan, that even if you don't really follow track closely or get into the nitty gritty of the stats, you know, if you've been going to the state meet since 2006, Six. yeah, you'll have heard her name over the PA system and the state record holder in this event, Whitney Carlson. So a familiar name. Um, it, yeah. Like you said, the real deal. Yeah. And, you know, we pointed out that, uh, Kelsey Belquist ran the really fast time in the 300 hurdles, 4202 bananas and set Whitney Carlson's record. But also what's really interesting is if you look at the results, it's updated every record, but go to the girls 200 final and it hasn't updated that record. Kelsey Belquist set a second state record in the girls 200, also taking down Whitney Carlson's mark. But for some whatever reason, that hasn't updated. So Hopefully a lot of people give credit where credit's due and realize that she set two state records. Cause I actually missed that myself earlier. Oh my so, yeah, I did too. I was even there, Ryan. And I missed yeah. It. And I mean like by a lot too, um, 2463 beats the previous class B record. And I should uh, say that class B record for the girls, 200 overall state record for the girls, 300 hurdles. But yeah, Kelsey Belquist is on another planet. And then, like you said, you wanted me to talk about Elise Wisniewski, three state titles on the weekend. Like you said, set the state B record in the 100-meter dash. Also was on the winning 4 by 2 Also was the winner in the long jump, which must have come down to second jumps because first place and second place both jumped 16 feet 10 inches. So she would have had the second best jump. And then, like you said, took second in the 200. So credit where credit's due. Um three state titles for Elise and that 200 was a race of legends. So really cool there. And they're both young. So we're going to get to see a lot of them, both sophomores too. So we'll get to see again what, I mean, what, what the fans really need, what the fans really need is they need a CCB bomb, Kelsey Belquist, Elise Wisniewski. I mean, fill out the field with, you know, any, any other of those talented uh, class A or class B girls, and uh, let's get a, a real all star, all star 200 going. Or yeah, even a, what, what about like a flat? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe 200 is the perfect place. Let's have them all run a four by two. Yeah. But, uh, but that's kind of an interesting point you bring up, though, because for years you and I have been talking about how can we get races between class A and class B athletes. And during the season, I feel like we don't get a lot of those. I think out west, they maybe happen a little bit more. But definitely on the eastern side of the state, they're few and far between. And over the years, a lot more schools have gone to Howard Wood, which that doesn't matter your class size. But I also know, like, I would be surprised if New Rockford Cheyenne went to Howard Wood. And maybe they did, and I just don't know. I haven't looked at their schedule. But it would be cool if there's more opportunities for Class A and Class B to race and I know we've brainstormed a ton of different ways. So maybe someday we could open up a forum on Instagram or something, some way where we could get feedback if anyone would ever buy into that. But yeah, you know what? Let's go off on the shortest tangent we can because we have a lot to cover still. Uh A few years ago, I had an idea for an all-star meet where you take the top times in the state of North Dakota and you go head to head against like the top times from minnesota and the top times from south dakota and it's like a three-way meet you take like the top four or maybe the top six from each state whatever can get you two full heats 
and then you just go head to head to head regardless of class i've even said like just go a and b take like kind of an all-star team from both classes but i'd kind of like to see the collab but still get them in the same races i don't know what do you think well i mean uh, like minnesota does a like the hamlin elite meet right which is yep. entries based solely off of like a descending order list yeah um so yeah if yeah it, it would be tough to to know how to do it but if you could do like yeah like you're saying I, I like the idea of like North Dakota, even if it was just North Dakota versus South Dakota, you know, kind of, kind of like what Howard Wood has going, but, you know, uh, put a, a, like parameters around it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So each state gets, you know, we'll, we'll keep it to one heat. So each state gets four, they send their four fastest hundred meter runners, their four fastest eight, uh, 200 meter runners, you know, in every event and you, you throw them in, in in the races against each other and you know that way we're satisfied we're hopefully seeing the the fastest a and b runners against each other and and you get the friendly uh north dakota versus south dakota rivalry but yeah uh, and they, they kind of do something like that in football don't they ryan i was gonna say i mean you've got the shrine game and the badlands game so shrine is kind of east versus west i think and then the badlands is north dakota versus montana so you have that for football, but then like there's the Lions games for volleyball and basketball, which is the same concept. Get head to head class A versus class B. Right, right. So, I don't know, man. That's a maybe a discussion for another day. But if you're listening right now and you have a ton of money that you want to throw at one of these events and help us organize it, let us know because we'll make it happen. Cam, another athlete we've had on the podcast in the past, also won three titles. So tell us a little bit about Bryn Hansen from Deluxe Burlington. And Bryn Hansen is uh, very quickly uh, becoming the distance runner to watch out for in Class B as if she wasn't already winning the 800, winning the 1600, winning the 3200, all in very impressive fashion. I wasn't able to see the 3200, uh, but as she was kicking from behind to win the 16, I was hearing murmurs of, Oh yeah, this is exactly what she did yesterday. Uh, so great running from Bryn Hansen, finding a way to get the win, uh, regardless of, of how the race panned out. And, you know, I, that's, that's just the true competitor that she is. Um, we kind of highlighted some of the underclassmen who performed very well in the class, a girls also, then we're going to do that here with the class B girls in those distance races coming in second place. Annika Stroh, just a 10th grader from Sargent County, um, second in the eight, the 16, and the 32. Hopefully, plenty of duels between Bryn Hansen and Annika Stroh uh, coming up over the next couple of years. Yeah, you can, you can only hope because anytime we see people that can go head to head and we can look forward to that matchup for years to come, it's always great. So Ryan, for the Class A and Class B girls, we saw a lot of individual athletes give us amazing performances. Uh, for the Class A boys, we saw a little bit uh, of a different story. It's kind of highlighted by the events themselves, the the depth of the fields. Uh, so why don't you start us off by talking about the Class A boys 100-meter dash? Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it because 
while some of these events like the overall winner had a good time, you know, it maybe wasn't earth shattering or a state meet record, but just the quality of North Dakota track and field is getting better. And that's evidenced in events like the one and the four this year. So take this for example, in the one, we had four guys under 11 seconds in the hundred prelims. And I mean, everybody else was still knocking on the door, like an 1101 in the field an 11 flat made it into the final. Um, some of the big cues were like an 1107. So just overall, the fields are getting deeper and that's so good for the sport. So in the prelims, uh, Carson Hagerly goes 10.65. But here's what's interesting too is the wind on it. So Carson runs that 10.65 with a 2.2 wind. Now just barely over the legal limit. Um, and then Dawson Hawkinson, who was in the second heat, doesn't get any sort of win. Third heat didn't get any sort of win. But the fourth heat had uh, 1.1 meter per second win. And then the fifth heat had 2.2 second win again. So kind of all over the place. But regardless, five guys under 11 seconds. And that's really deep. And that 10.65 is impressive. Um, fast forward to the finals. Carson Hagerly runs 10.91 to get the win. Dawson Hawkinson is second in 11.11. Now, the results say no wind, but I don't really buy that because when you have that those guys running that fast in the prelim and then they're significantly slower in the final, I think something must have happened there that just didn't get transcribed onto the result sheet because it'd be hard for me to imagine that there was that big a drop in the times in a field that competitive. So regardless, the 100 was really cool to watch this year and hopefully we can see um, even though a bunch of those guys were seniors that were running really fast, hopefully we have some underclassmen that step it up. Like if you look at the results, one through five in the 100 meter final were seniors, but six through nine were juniors. So we should see if the development keeps progressing, those guys come back and hopefully run just as fast, if not faster, as seniors yeah. next year. Yeah, even though even though the the podium was was dominated by the upperclassmen, you look down at at the long list of qualifiers. I mean, looks like something like 30, 7, 8, 9, 40, 40 qualifiers on time or place, you know, in the hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that that says that that's just another marker of the depth of the hundred. Uh, there's an eighth grader, a couple freshmen a good slew of sophomores. So yeah, we will, we'll definitely keep our eye on the hundred going forward there. There's, there's some dudes. There are. And some of those dudes even stepped up and went in the 400, like Dawson Hawkinson, who finished second in that hundred meter dash. He came back, ran the four, skipped the 200, but one, four double. And then a couple other events too. But you know, in the prelims, we saw uh, five guys under 50 seconds. That's, also very deep, something we love to see. And going into the final, out of the prelims, Austin Zulu from Fargo South had the fastest time. He's a sophomore, followed by Jordan Edwards, a freshman from Davies. Now, we skip ahead to the final, and things kind of shook up a little bit. Zulu, the sophomore from South, ran 49 flat, a great time when, as a 10th grader, but super fast. Uh, Carter Eldy who had gone into that final uh, a few places down, takes second, runs 49-11. Big PR for him, the North Dakota State product we'll see next year in Fargo. 
Um, Jordan Edwards, the ninth grader from Davies, runs 49-31. Like, just so impressive. And then we have Justin Zulu, uh, another sophomore. I'm assuming they're twin brothers from Fargo South, ran 49-62. Like, just deep. It's good for, like I said, good for the sport. Good to see these guys crushing it. So, fun when we can see not just the distance events get deeper and deeper, but also these sprints too, because that's, that's important for the years to come. Yeah. I, I was talking to our friend, uh, Alex copy Ryan at the meet Fargo South coach, uh, and the Zulu brothers. Uh, they, I mean, I, we are saying this about everybody, you know, who's going to be coming back next year, but we are going to keep our eyes on the Zulu brothers. This is their only their, their first year coming out for track and you know, obviously, as you had already highlighted, impressive performances in the open four. Uh, when you got two guys, two brothers who are placing at the state meet in the open four, Ryan, that's got to set you up for a pretty good relay, you would have to think, huh? <laughs> that was a darn good segue, camp. Yeah. Uh, Fargo South, four by four, sets the all-time state record. Now, that record that they broke – I'm going to say a few few names on that list, and you'll probably say, oh, man, that was a good record that they broke. Um, so 2014, the team from Bismarck Century ran 321 flat. All right. Uh, Dom Niemeyer, Jacob Richter, Andrew Steinwand, Landon Yoakum. Okay, if you listened to our podcast the other day with Cody Roeder, we had guest host Landon Yoakum on. You should go back and listen to it if you haven't. But Yoakum was the previous 400-meter uh, state record holder. Uh, before Caleb Larson last year, but that was a really solid team. Three of those guys went on to run at NDSU, two of them being all Summit League in the 400. And what does Fargo South do? They go and run 319.12, almost break that time by two whole seconds. And guess, yeah, guess who's on it? Justin Zulu, Austin Zulu, a couple other guys, Tristan Quibell, Aiden Bork. So, but the crazy thing, none of those guys are seniors. So that means they're bringing them all back. So, and you just think, what can these guys do if they hit it hard in the weight room or um, over time? What what will they be able to accomplish? Um, One interesting thing to state is, so Fargo, if you go back and look at the state meet results online, that time that Fargo South ran beats the overall on state record um, by almost two whole seconds. But that same 2014 Bismarck Century Quartet of Nehemiah, Richter, Steinwan, and Yoakum, they ran 318.96 and have the bowl record. So Fargo South did not quite get the bowl record. So maybe a little bit more uh, icing on the cake to chase after next year. Yeah, for sure. Still records to be broken. The work's not done yet. Yes. Now, one thing we said with the three-day meet, we've criticized it a lot, but we did say somebody who would benefit would be anybody running the 800. And that was so evident, like best 800 in history, Cam. Tell us why. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you follow uh, Nate Peterson on Twitter, he's at UND underscore runner. Uh, He does a pretty, pretty good job, a pretty in-depth breakdown of why this year's 800 was the deepest 800 in state history. So I'll just kind of read off a little bit of what he's got. Basically what he did is he broke down the fastest time uh, in history to get what place to so he has a list here's the fastest first place time ever here's the fastest second place time ever here's the fastest third place time ever so if you take that list before this year the fastest 
eighth place time ever was 157.84 set by Jacob Canodal just one year ago in 2021. In fact, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth place. Their previous fastest times to get that place uh, were run just a year before. Uh, so last year was incredibly deep. This year just knocked the socks off of it. Jonah Defoe was eighth place this year. So comparing Jacob Kunodal's 157.84 to Jonah Defoe this year, he ran 155.83 for eighth place. So let me just back this up a little bit just to make sure we all understand it. Yeah, it's kind of a lot. So before this year, the best eighth place finish ever at the North Dakota State meet in the Class A Boys 800 was 157. Correct. And by Jacob Canodal last year. So before last year, anybody who had finished eighth place at the state meet in the 800 had run slower than 157, just as Correct. fast or slower. Yep. So this year, eighth place was 155. So two whole seconds faster than the previous best eighth place finish. Right. So I, I, I don't know what your coaches were like or what everybody else's coaches were like, but, you know, if you have a coach who's been in, coaching in, in the state for a while you know, they have kind of an idea like, hey, we got to get you to run about 159, let's say. You know, when I was in high school, it's probably we if you can run about 159, you could probably, you know, usually that'll place you in the top five at state or something like that. Not remotely the case this year. You had to you had to run 15509 to get fifth place this year. Caden Johnson around 155.09. I think here, this is this is the one thing that really kind of put it all in perspective for me. Griffin House, who got ninth place this year. So not on the podium, no team points. He ran 155.93. That time that he ran to get ninth place this year would have won, gotten first place, 30 of the previous 41 state meets get out of town. So, I mean, you, you, you can basically take that for anybody who finished above him, you know, Oh, I got, I got second at the state meet in the 800, but I would have won 30, 30, any <laughs> 30 of the last 41 years, I would have been the state champion. So uh, just, just really, really impressive. We'll just, run down the list uh, of the placers here. Uh, Ethan Moe defends his state title. He runs 154.09. Chance Bowlinger, close behind, 154.53. Quinn Rail, big two-second PR for him in the final. Took it out hard, ran his race from the front, uh, put himself in that good position. Uh, outkicked, obviously, by Moe and Bowlinger. But 154.7, Brady Corsmo, the mile, the state champ in the mile, he ran 155.02. Caden Johnson, the state champ in the two mile, 155.09. Regan Bosch from Davies, 155.67. Drew Remfer from Davies, 155.73. And then Jonah Defoe from Red River, 155.83. And like we mentioned, ninth place, 155.93, right behind. Uh, just just a great race to watch. Uh, and especially if you were uh, privy to, to the context of how fast they were running at the time, 
um, kind of, kind of the word that was bouncing around after the race was, I would have, I never thought I'd see the day. It's just kind of, <laughs> it's unimaginable. I think, yeah. And what's even crazier is look at the guys who didn't score points. Like I'm not even going to name names, but we have several D1 commits. We have several D2 commits. We have uh, state champions. We have just some real studs that didn't even score like guys that would have scored any other year just not quite there so track is getting really fast and if that's if you're listening to this hopefully that's just a huge motivator for you to know that what you did this year probably isn't going to be good enough next year and not that like scare anybody in any way but it's just the truth like times are getting faster and if you want to hang and get a spot on the podium you probably are going to have to run faster than what you did this year just gotta gotta keep your nose down, head down, and keep grinding. You know, I mean, you it the yeah, like you said, the depth shouldn't scare you. It should be like, man, all the all these guys and all these girls are running fast times. Why not me? You know, if they can do it, I have the the same. You know, in most cases, you have the same sort of you know capabilities as them. You know, we all live in North Dakota. So weather's not an excuse. You know, the more people who are doing it, there's the less excuses for why, why you can't. So, uh, yeah, let's get more, more guys sub two this next year. Definitely. Last but not least, Ryan, we have the class B boys recap. Uh, but first you got a clip from our state meet recap last year that we just, we just really think that, the, the fans and the listeners need to hear. So why don't you, do we have that queued up? Go ahead and roll clip one. All right, here it is. Winner. He's a junior. He's got another year left. Two seniors finished ahead of yes. us. Next year, and I'm going to go out on limb. ESPN always does this, and it makes me so mad, but they always call them our two early predictions for 2022. Yeah. But I'm going to make one right here. The Class B 100-meter dash champion, doesn't use blocks. I hope so. That would that would be incredible if he if he doesn't if he chooses not to learn how to use blocks and just comes out and, and beats everybody. If I'm Kevin, if I'm Kevin Gilmore, I'm getting the movie rights ready. I'm getting the book rights ready. Wow. And I don't want to put too much pressure on you, Kevin, but we're we're cheering for you over here at the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Either either Kevin Gilmore heard us or he didn't care either way. He came through. Ryan, you are going to have to start like a, a palm reading business or something because sure to form, Kevin Gilmore did not use blocks again, and he came away with the 100-meter dash victory. Kevin <laughs> Gilmore, everybody's favorite no-block sprinter. I, don't let me forget to tell you another story about an incredible prediction I made that came true. But let's stick with Kevin Gilmore. How impressive is it that he didn't use blocks and he won the 100? Like, and I understand if you go and you look at the final, same thing. It doesn't talk about wind, but I'm sure they had a face full of wind because it really wasn't that fast. But I'm telling you, if you can run and beat other people without using blocks, like, I don't care what the time is. It's so impressive. And 
to on the record, it was a negative 2.1 win. So they had a face full of wind. So the time wasn't that great. But the fact that he won without blocks blows my mind. And I wish I could better put it into words how impressed I am, but I just, I can't. I mean, it like no blocks, but he's like, he's not doing a three point start. He's not getting on his, like anything like that. He's lit from a standing start. Literally. Yeah. Like you'd say, okay, well I see guys that don't use blocks, but yeah, they go down in the three point or like in a stance where they're going to be able to push off really well. No, like he just literally stands there. And of course he's like behind the first few steps. I think that's the other thing too. Like, you're like, oh, what difference does it make? It maybe you're not a sprinter and you don't really know, but like, it makes a huge difference. And you you watch the video. He's, I mean, he gets a good start. Granted, for standing up and not using blocks, it's a good start. But compared it's to everyone else, yeah. but compared to everyone else, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> just looking at the video, he's he's putting himself in such a deficit for the first ten meters. So maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's just like the carrot on the stick in front of him. Maybe he just needs to see people ahead of him. You know, he's got to be chasing somebody. He's got to, you know, be chasing them down to to get the wheels going the way they need to. But Kevin Gilmore, you've won the you've won the hearts of the fans, and you know, we were cheering for you. Yeah, and then Kevin comes back. He takes third in the two hundred. Um, and dude, go off on Kindred. You you're a big fan. You love him. Just tell us what you think about Kindred's performance at the state meet. I mean, I, I had a short conversation with Nate Safe, uh, one of the Kindred coaches, while I was there, and you know, this is at the start of day, uh, start of day two, maybe the start of day three, and he sounded a little like unsure. He's like, I don't know how we're going to do as a team, but uh, he had he had no reason to worry. I mean, in the two hundred, Paul Olson, Jaden Peraza, one two. You know, as as we had kind of mentioned, they were well, they were one, two in qualifying. Yep, didn't stop them, didn't slow them down. One, two in the final. Uh at Paul Olson, this this dude, he, this is kind of another guy, you know, that you know, first year out for track. I don't really know what he's gonna do at NDSU because he won the four, he won won the two. Uh I took took second in the two hundred. Oh, second. Second in the 200. Did I, did I twist that around? Oh, okay. He had he had the fastest qualifying time from the prelims in the two. So sec, second in the two, won the four, won. I just want to make sure. You know, won the high jump, right, Ryan? Yep, with a jump of 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, won the high jump. Like, jumper, sprinter, like, like I mean, honestly, what, what can't this guy do? And, I mean, like I was hyping up, in the preview, the shot put boys from Kindred. I just, man, if if any team could get me to be only a shot put fan, it's it's the Kindred guys. Uh, there they are. First place, Jack Packer, 11th grader, he'll be back. Second place, Riley Sunram, 10th grader, he'll be back. Fifth place, Blake Hushka, 11th grader, he'll be back. True to form, all thrown over 50 feet. Jack Packer with an absolute bomb, 58 feet, five inches. Um, yeah, I mean, let's go Kindred. Yeah, very impressive. Like you said, Paul Olson, he'll be fun to watch in the next couple of years just to see what exactly he kind of finds his mission. Um, but yeah, great job, Kindred boys. And 
all around good team effort. I think that's the difference maker. Just not a lot of other teams had both track and the field events really strong this year. And Kindred did an outstanding job. So hats off to Kindred. Um, you know, we've talked about some fun stuff here with the Class B boys, but let's talk about the most dominating performer on the Class B boys side of things. Ian Bush, four titles, um, gets the distance triple crown in the eight, the 1600, and the 32. Yeah, comes back, helps the 4x4 four four team get the dub. So that distance triple crown, you know, the 8, the 16, the 32, and, and toss a relay in there. Quite impressive, Mr. Bush. He's everything you could ever want out of a out of a Class B runner. He's got the passion. He's got the grit. Gets the job done. To be honest, it's it's not the not the prettiest looking thing, but it's got its own form of beauty. So, uh, Ian Bush coming coming over to the East Side next year and uh, be up at UND, and we'll uh, see if he can keep this keep this ball rolling. Um, yeah, and what's so exciting about it too is. You know, this is one of the very – this probably is the first in-state distance recruits, at least that I can think of, for UND. Is there anybody else that you can think of that signed with UND from within the state? There probably is, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, I'd have to say, at least on the guy's side, this is probably the most notable. <clears throat> yeah, we saw, so. yeah, we saw – yeah. I mean, we saw Ellie Sondog. She's signed with UND um, yeah, yeah. from Farmer North. But, I mean, I just am really excited that UND is – putting their foot in the game of going for North Dakota kids because we've seen that they've got a great program, great coaches, uh, coach Tom Scott, the distance coach really doing a nice job with Luke Labette and some of those other distance boys this year. And it's just fun to see um, Ian going to UND and seeing if he can kind of be one of the ones that leads the charge of bringing their program back to all its glory. Yeah. Yep. One final note for me, Ryan, got to meet the, some of the Bowman boys, Taylor, Austin, and Caleb. Uh, they came over, said hi. They also put together an impressive state meet, um, placing in basically every event that they were Yeah, every event that they were in. The Warner Brothers uh, go two, three in the 800. Uh, they go... Three, four, and Caleb Sarslin, number five there in the mile. Uh, Sarslin gets second in the 32, followed by Austin Warner uh, in third in 32. So, uh, big, uh, I'm big fans of, of the Bowman boys now. And, uh, oh, and, and I mean, we can't forget the relay performance. You know, when you're placing guys that high, uh, you, you expect to see it come through in the relay as well um and they sure did that first place 8 12 18 pretty darn good time uh in the four by eight and that's with two so or two juniors a sophomore and a freshman so we'll see that whole team of uh bowman county runners uh in the four by eight next year um chasing after that new town uh that new town state record of 802 29 so yeah it's gonna be fun to watch um and i think you said it best we know that the Warner boys are big fans of the Prairie jack and field podcast but i think it's fair to say that we're big fans of the Warner boys so yeah absolutely 
Well, Cam, I think in the coming weeks, we're going to try our best to get some of these state champs on the show just to get a little bit of insight from them. Like we can talk about them all we want, but it's way more cool when we get their insight and what it was like for them to cross that finish line and win a state title. So we're going to do what we can to get some of these people that we've talked about onto the show. What else can our fans expect? I don't know if we can call them fans, but what else can our listeners, the people that stumble upon this podcast, what, what can they expect from us in the next few weeks? Well, hopefully this week I'll have a like a recap video. We're we're dabbling, dipping our toes into the uh, the video media sphere. So uh, keep your eyes out for that. You know, maybe more of that in the future. Maybe not. You know, we'll see how it how it goes. But uh, uh, this is the the week leading up to the Cedric Run Mile Extravaganza. So maybe see some of you there uh, on Saturday evening up in Grand Forks and. Uh, you know, got some some comments at the state meet. People were asking for more more shirts, and I had to say, you know, we're just, we just don't have your size right now, but we're we're working on working on some stuff. So uh, maybe some more merch, some summer summer themed merch, uh, hopefully in in your guys's hands soon. Absolutely, yeah, we've got a few projects we're working on, so stay tuned. As always, follow us on social media. That's your best way to keep in touch with us. If you listen to this episode and there's anything we missed or you want us to point out, we love getting messages from you guys and kind of going back and forth and talking history or talking performances. So please do that too. We find a lot of joy in being able to discuss some of those topics. And I think too, in the future, we're going to hopefully get a few more of our legends on the show. Kind of once track season winds down a little bit, we've got NCAA championships here in a couple of weeks. We'll be following along with UND's Elise Alseth, who will be competing in the heptathlon. NDSU with their 4x4 squad. We will hopefully get you some information in our newsletter about some of the NCAA Division II championship performances. So if you haven't subscribed to the newsletter yet, you can find that on Substack. The link is in our bio and it's free to subscribe. You get an email yeah, once a week. If we get to it once a week and maybe even less than that if uh, we get really busy, but it's a great way to stay in touch with us too. So yeah, thank you for listening, you guys. Cam, anything else? That's all I got. All right. Well, uh, great state meet in the books for 2022. And shoot, do I have to make a prediction for 2023? My 2022 one came true. Yeah, you you owe us one bold prediction, Ryan. Oh, gosh. Bold prediction. I'm looking here at what we got going on. Okay. Boys 800. I bet the winner in the Class A boys 800 breaks Brian McCulley's state record. That has stood since 1996. Current record is 152.02. I'm going to say that goes down next year. Love it. Love it, Ryan. All right. And you'll hear, we'll play that part back in 2023. So you can hear us hear it then. Uh.